You're listening to a special focus on breast cancer from Advances in Women's Health, sponsored by Lilly. Coming to you from the European Society for Medical Oncology's annual congress in Barcelona, Spain, this is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and I have the pleasure of joining Imei Su, who's the editor for Cancer Discovery, which is a publication journal for the American Association for Cancer Research, based in Philadelphia. Imei, welcome to you. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for asking me to to speak with you. A very exciting time here at ESMO, yeah? Well, thank you for having me and for hosting me in your beautiful booth. It's actually great to (laughs) to be right here and um, to be able to speak to you about this this really exciting conference. We're exploring novel directions in breast cancer research, discovery, and treatment. As the editor for Cancer Discovery, can you tell me a little bit about what brought you and your organization to ESMO and maybe a little bit about the journal in general? Sure. Well, first of all, they're a team of PhD, we're a team of PhD scientists who are editors at Cancer Discovery, and Cancer Discovery is a journal that strives to publish a range of articles from very basic science to clinical trials, science-driven clinical trials, in which provide the most novel advances in the field, and we basically strive to attract a wide range of readers that way. But basically what we're trying to do is give people a broad, a breadth of scope in reading about cancer research because cancer research comprises a huge number of disciplines and this gives the basic scientists, for instance, a chance to look at the clinical science, what's going on in a clinical um, field and vice versa. So basically the ed- we editors at Cancer Discovery really want to publish the most interesting, thought-provoking, novel um, advances in the field in general. And I have to say, I mean, you've chosen your keywords very wisely because you have me at cancer and discovery. <laughs> um, I, I think many of our audience are instantly tuned in to trying to find out what's the, the latest and the greatest, what's yeah. the, the most novel directions for new types of diagnostic procedures or mm-hmm. diagnostic approaches or or treatment advances, completely novel directions, um, not simply looking to attack onto what we already know, which itself is very, very valuable, but looking for whole new directions, whole different ways of thinking about cancer. Um, Sure, yeah, you know, we try to do that by providing, you know, by publishing papers that we think are providing, you know, that are not only providing new evidence of, say, resistance mechanisms or basic biology of, you know, providing insights into the biology of cancer, but also that hypothesis generating so that people can follow up. And, you know, our ultimate goal, of course, as Cancer Discovery might uh, attest to, the name Cancer Discovery might attest to, is to ultimately try to benefit the patients, right? So that's what everybody's trying to do. But we want to provide a way forward to translate the findings that basic scientists provide, and you know, we're hoping that some some of our publications, and some of them have, you know, to be, which we're very excited about, <laughs> you know, but I mean, some of, you know, we've, we've published um, scientific hypothesis-driven um, clinical trials that have now have led to even, you know, great patient benefit and uh, big clinical efforts, so we're, we're, we're very humbled that we can 
we can be a part of that process. That's great. Yeah. And I have to say that excitement is infectious. I yeah. feel <laughs> revved up, ready to hit this conference with new, renewed energy yeah. based on having to talk, uh, having talked to you for a few minutes. Um, but let's let's get right into that conference. Yeah. You've been touring the floors, getting a sense of uh, some of the updates out there, areas yeah. that have sort of been turning your head and yeah. and um, having the eyes perk open. Yeah. Um, within the breast cancer arena, mm -hmm. what have you seen that, that sparked your interest or that seemed like um, interesting areas that cancer discovery might pursue? Well, you know, I think it's interesting. You know, it seems to be a big question in the field as to, for instance, you know, I attended a CDK4-6 inhibitor session and it seems to be a big question in the field, like what, as to what the the actual markers are for response to CDK4-6 inhibition, and also, you know, how to stratify patients for this treatment, because I mean, it seems that oncologists are trying to avoid unnecessary toxicity, and really the, only, the best way to do that is to stratify patients. So what are the molecular or pathologic determinants of that would determine whether or not a patient receives uh, therapy. And, you know, similarly uh, in the immune-oncology realm for, say, NCPD-1 therapy, how do you stratify, how do you define response even? Um, is it, you know, a standard assay uh, to quantify pdl one expression? Is, you know, how, how, how do you even do, like, the very... Um, and it appears to me, at least, as not speaking as a clinician, of course, but from what I've gleaned from the talks, it seems like there are some even very more fundamental questions as to, you know, um, how to even define positivity. Uh, so, it, you know, it seems like there there's a lot of discussion as to, and it seems that these clinicians are working together to to determine these things. Like, for instance, I heard a, a talk about the working group for the ESMO working group for determining, uh, basically, just setting out the guidelines for determining response to precision, uh, how to perform precision uh, medicine in general. But basically, like, how do you how do you define molecular determinants? How do you define? You know, and it's just very interesting that they had to even standardize terminology. So I mean, it feels like this. This, this field is, in general, so rapidly growing that it's there's almost a need to stop and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> you know, idea of do we all know what we're talking about? And I completely agree with you. Um, we heard we heard the term biomarkers, and yeah. it seems like that term is getting defined in multiple ways based on what biomarkers they're actually right. looking for. Mm -hmm. And even when they have a biomarker, such as saying, "Oh, we're." we're Investigating PDL1, anti-PDL1, right. uh, understanding the biomarkers, how to apply that, yeah. and what the biomarker actually means yeah. for patients with certain subtypes of cancer. Right. It's not entirely known because the right. data isn't, isn't right. out there yet. Yeah, exactly. And there seem to be you know, there's so many different trials, and it's a lot of a lot of data to try to analyze and integrate and it's been very helpful actually as somebody with a basic science research background to go to some of these um, poster discussions um, run by the clinicians where you have a discussant um, and you know summarizing and analyzing a couple of presentations and then they when they put it into context of the whole field you realize just how much data must be absorbed and analyzed to try to um, reconcile the different 
results you're seemingly different results you're getting because every trial is run so differently, um, or even if you think they're not run differently, you have uh, different patient cohorts depending what country you're from, what city you're from, and it, it, there's just so many different confounding factors. It seems that you know there seems to be some kind of need to standardize. You know, and I, I'm just speaking as a basic scientist, but it appears that you need there needs to, you know, there's a push to try to standardize how analyses are done, how markers are defined, um, in order to better be able to compare these these different clinical results. Well, it seems like there's a powerful role emerging for basic scientists such as yourself, um, both in the role of, of um, trying to elucidate. Uh, the, the meanings, in a way, yeah. walking it back a little bit yeah. and for us to understand yeah. who and what we're talking about yeah. with regards to breast cancer, yeah. um, biomarkers, therapeutics, etc. Sure. Um, but also in the communications area, which is where you're in this wonderfully hybridized role. <laughs> um, as I look at some of the, the the new studies out there or some of the late-breaking uh, data, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm given more confidence by the idea of where basic science needs to re-enter the picture, yeah. given the completely opposite diametric results that I'm, I'm hearing. For instance, um, the role of PARP inhibitors mm -hmm. for uh, triple negative breast cancer. Mm -hmm. on, on one end, there are studies and people I've spoken to who have said, um, we have some really great indicators here that mm -hmm. um, PARP inhibitors and other small molecules such yeah. as CDK4-6 yeah. um, inhibitors could be just about ready to hit the prime time for neoadjuvant treatment for yeah. breast cancer patients. Yeah. On the other side, there are these keynotes that come out that say, mm, you know, um, we're really not seeing great results at all for a number of things, from yeah. immuno immunotherapies to other things for triple negative breast cancer. And so whether those two are actually riding along the same direction or if they're completely opposed, yeah. um, I'm not entirely sure because I don't entirely know what, what yeah. they mean by the biomarkers, and they don't entirely know because the patient's uh, subpopulations are different. Sure. The, as you said, the confounders are all over the place. There are different regions, locations where these tests, uh, these studies are being done. Sure. And so how do we walk this back yeah. <laughs> and investigate this from a basic science standpoint? Well, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's actually really nice that the EACR, uh, the European Association for Cancer Research, is also co-sponsoring this um, this Congress with ESMO because you see a, a strong basic science uh, presence here, as uh, uh, Joseph Tabanera said in his his uh, initial address. That you know it's important that we understand what the biology, the underlying biology is, um, and you know how to that that also helps you better understand these you know the heterogeneous nature of these tumors, right? So these are very. Um, you know, breast cancers and, and cancers in general are, are quite heterogeneous. So, you know, when you, for instance, walking, going back to the PDL1 um, as a biomarker issue, uh, one thing that somebody pointed, one speaker pointed out was one possible confounder is that, you know, it's a, maybe it's a matter of where you're sampling to look for PDL1 expression. Maybe that's why it fails sometimes, and then maybe that's why it works sometimes, because it's a matter, it's just a, Pure, a purely technical issue of where you're sampling, and you know how do you best, you know, ask where do you best, uh, like, assess for what, what region of the tumor or what, uh, which 
area of metastasis do you, like uh, which organ of metastasis do you, do you sample to look for pdl one expression? You know, there was suggested for in the, in the case of breast cancer that maybe it's, you should look at the, the peripheral lymph nodes, you know, the adjacent lymph nodes and not in, you know, I, I don't quite remember what the other uh, regions were, but they specifically point out like it's better to go to like a regional lymph node as opposed to say lung or something for breast cancer. So it's, you know, it's these, or these interesting, but I mean, I think it's gonna come down to a partnership between basic and and clinical science to to unravel this this uh, to elucidate the mechanisms driving driving uh, to, to identify the biomarkers that are going to ultimately help you the clinicians stratify their patients uh, for therapy um, you know and, and the CDK46 as I mentioned before the CDK46 inhibitor story was very interesting just because it was it's interesting that say the things that you would think should be a marker of response, like RB or something, are not. You know, <laughs> and it's unclear why that's not. And maybe, maybe it's not just a one marker. Maybe it's a set of markers that have to. You know, maybe it's a signature of some kind. Maybe it's a signature plus a pathologic change. It's it's unclear. Uh, but you know, definitely there needs to be more basic research. In uh, efforts into those issues. So. You know, and it's funny that you mentioned that there are a number of experts in this field who are entirely in your camp uh, for thinking that that is the next stage of development, of evolution for breast cancer mm -hmm. research and treatment. Mm -hmm. One of them in particular uh, that I had the chance to speak to spoke to the idea of developing what he called an immunogram yeah. um, that would take into account not just one biomarker, not just mm -hmm. one signature, but several, yeah. um, upwards of 15, 20, maybe 30 different biomarkers yeah. hailing from many different areas that you wouldn't even, I think from a, a in my case, um, a standpoint being a little bit removed, would not uh, think to even associate with breast cancer development. Mm -hmm. But um, it goes to your point, we need to walk it back, <laughs> expand our understanding of the biology of this yeah. disease to truly um, elucidate what predictive biomarkers are going to uh, lead to better treatment selection, yes. better prognostic indicators for our patients. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, it's, I mean, it sounds like everybody is, everybody's coalescing around that, um, at, around that thought, but it's just, it's just a daunting amount of data to try to sort through and separate, you know, basically trying to separate the the wheat from the chaff, right? You know, it's just, it's just what's noise and what's real. And, and I think that's when uh, basic science is very crucial to to churning all that data and then showing it preclinically before we, before it, um, these these things get tested in the clinic. You know, to, to because as they pointed out, somebody pointed out at one of the talks, you know, there are to run all the clinical trials that you would need to to test, say, all the different immune-oncology combinations, it would take, you know, millions of patients and hundreds of years, and that's just not possible. So the more we can, uh, more basic scientists can eliminate and, and uh, narrow down to possibilities, the better it would be for the patients. So. Well, I think the challenge that you've just spelled out also perfectly articulated the challenge, uh, the the, the daunting proposition of being an editor yeah. for 
a publication <laughs> devoted to cancer discovery, yeah. separating the wheat from the chaff and being able to glean through lots of data to find out what is going to yeah. be the most impactful. So yeah. with that kind of segue, I'd, I'd love to, I guess my last question to you, looking ahead with yeah. cancer discovery and, mm -hmm. and the work that you're doing there, yeah. um, how, do you, how do you look to, to do that, to um, help position the, the best information possible out there in this area for, for your readership? I would like to say that, you know, we, it's not that we don't, you know, we, we see a lot of very good papers. It's just that the way our editorial process is, you know, we know that, you know, a lot of the papers that we don't take are worthy of being published. You know, we're not saying that at all. It's just that, you know, we're a high impact journal and we really are striving to be, you know, published very novel, um, novel science, right? And so what we want to do is, try to help push that, you know, really push the, the leading, be part of that leading edge of scientific research, you know, providing new, new, new um, paradigms, new, whether it's basic biology or translational or even clinical, new, new ways of, um, of, of thinking. And, you know, we're really looking to, you know, for that aha kind of like that's a very or even oh that's a really cool study you know kind of um, that's a those are the kinds of reactions that we have when we read papers that we think that would be great for we we hope we can publish this you know um, and we think our readers would really like the, this and you know our readers have said oh you know we they, we we like this rain you know the breadth that you have in the journal so we don't want to be all basic or all clinical. I mean, we want to provide people with that whole breadth of experience in cancer biology. So we, we want people to be excited about the whole process, right? <laughs> well, you've definitely uh, turned the corner for me. You've got me on board. I'm excited <laughs> oh, to, to oh. <laughs> see the advanced, the next publications that come out, um, given the, the, the onus, the, the drive that, that cancer discovery is about. Um, you definitely have one admirer. I've already heard others <laughs> coming around the booth and saying the same. So thank you for your time. Oh, thanks, Matt. Thank you for uh, talking to me. I've been speaking with Dr. E. Mei Su, uh, from cancer, the editor of Cancer Discovery uh, from the American Association for Cancer Research. E. Mei, uh, a pleasure, as always. I hope to talk to you again. Thank you. <laughs> pleasure as well. <laughs> for access to this and other episodes, visit ReachMD.com, where you can join the conversation and be part of the knowledge. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz for ReachMD. Thanks again. You've been listening to this special focus on breast cancer from advances in women's health. To revisit any part of this discussion and to access other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash advances in women's health, where you can join the conversation and be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening.